Well, good morning, and I want to add my welcome to those who are visiting with us or guests with us for the very first time here at Trinity South Naperville. We are closing out our six-week series on Job, Walking with God in the Storm. And it's been quite a journey with us uh, through Job over the past few weeks. You would probably agree uh, that we've taken a look at Job's struggles with his suffering and with the doubts that he has in God and his friends and in his faith, and perhaps even more importantly, his own ability to justify himself before God. Now, in the past several weeks, we've talked about different sides of this sort of cosmic Q&A that Job engages in, not only with God, but with three friends who are really trying to help him, uh, but actually not providing much of a helpful resource to him. As, uh, as Job asked the question, why, why am I suffering? And uh, as we ask that question, when we go through suffering, uh, we discover through uh, Jesus and through the work of the church and the good news of Jesus that God allows suffering, as the scripture says, in order to, um, to, to show his strength through us and to work his strength out in the real world through us uh, to bring glory to himself, mainly to bring himself fame so that more and more people would know about Jesus and find a solace and refuge in Jesus. And that primarily happens through the contrast that takes place in our lives when we go through suffering and yet grow in faith and rely on God during those times. And we also ask the question of how, how do I deal with my suffering when I'm in the middle of it? And I really just don't have the strength, the, the, um, the gumption uh, to stick it out spiritually when I'm enduring something really difficult. And of course, the, the short answer to that is we spend time with God, you know, in prayer. We talk to God in prayer and we hear his voice uh, spoken in the word and through those who also trust in Jesus and are speaking into our lives. You know, kind of like the way Job's friends were trying to do, but Job's friends were coming at uh, that how and trying to be helpful to Job from a different point of view, not from the point of view that you know, God's gonna be there with you and in the midst of the suffering with you. And that's kind of the point. Uh, Job's friends were trying to help Job justify his righteousness before God and or deal with his fallout of righteousness or, or sin before God as a potential reason why he was suffering. And you may remember in the story of Job, Job was a wealthy man that had a big, huge family and lots of cattle and, and land and such. and. Um, Satan came before the full company of angels in heaven, the story goes, and accused Job of uh, being a superficial believer in God, that if God would allow all those blessings to go away catastrophically, that Job would turn and curse God or turn his back on God. And so uh, God called Satan's bluff and allowed that to happen. But what we find is as Job is struggling with the why and the how, uh, even as we know those reasons now through the writings uh, that took place in the, in the Old Testament some years later, as, even as we understand that, there was one more point that we still need to cover in this series before we close it out. And that's the effect later on in Job where Job tries to vindicate himself or is tempted to try to justify himself before God in his own righteousness. And if you look at the definition of vindication, as we'll you know, see that the word vindicate is used in the scripture, uh, especially between Job and one of his friends, who the friend is asking Job 
to allow the friend to vindicate him before God or stand trial um, before God on Job's behalf based on Job's good behaviors. Uh, the idea of vindication, if you look it up, basically means the action of clearing someone of blame or suspicion or a vindication is proof that someone or something is right, reasonable, or justified. And so kind of the way this works out is if we find ourselves in good company with Job where you know, maybe we know the how of suffering, maybe we've understood the why of suffering, but we're still tempted to get before God and try to bargain with God. It might look something like this, you know, God, if you uh, get me out of this situation, then I promise I will do this. Or God, if you, you know, if you've seen my faith and how I pray and how I read my Bible and I go to small group and I go to church and I tithe and I serve in the community, I do all these things, cannot cut me a break in the midst of this suffering. Really what that looks like when we're tempted to do that along with Job, really what that looks like is it's kind of the idea of treating God like sort of a cosmic vending machine. Like if we don't get what we want, you know, the relief of suffering in the immediate, then we tend to try to put something into the machine to produce the result we want. And the putting of something into the machine is, you know, our, our good works or, or the, the good habits that we have or the things that we've done or the attitudes that we keep um, in, in regards to how we do life. And we sort of find ourselves being tempted to expect something in return. Um, but then what Job finds is he, he, he encounters this interaction with God um, that strikes him to the core. And, and here's what God says to Job um, out of the storm clouds that are gathering around him, even as Job has suffered great loss and continues to suffer with these great sores on his body. Uh, Job chapter 31 and verse 1, the Bible says the Lord spoke to Job out of the storm. By the way, um, this very well could be the same storm that God allowed Satan to use to strike down all of Job's, Job's estate and all of his family. It's, it could, be, could very well be the same exact storm. Maybe uh, just like the clouds over Illinois right now that don't seem to go away and the rainstorms that come with them. This could be a storm of several days or weeks where Maybe God's speaking out of the same circumstances that did such destruction in the life of Job. The Bible says, verse 1, chapter uh, Job, uh, Job 38, uh, God said, Who is this that obscures my plans with words without knowledge? Brace yourself like a man, God says to Job. I will question you, and you shall answer me. Now, for all intents and purposes, this is not a very politically correct thing for God to say. This is kind of like the godly version of do as I say and not as I do, or even, you know, do something or don't do something because I said so. It's the idea that, you know, when a parent says that, what they're trying to get across to their children is, you know, I'm your parent. I am the sovereign of the household. I am the king or the queen of the household, and you are one of my children. Therefore, you need to do what I've asked you to do without questioning me because I'm your dad or I'm your mom. It's not a very popular message these days. And, and it's something that even when parents say it, they kind of joke about it uh, because it's frowned on in our culture. Yet we find God saying this very same thing. But it's perhaps not for the same reasons 
that we do it. Sometimes when we're tempted to do that at home, it's because it's more expedient than simply working through the issue and helping you know children to understand or have proper boundaries about what they are to do or not to do or say or not to say, eat or not to eat, you know, et cetera and so forth. God's got more going on here than just expediency. God wants to give something to Job that Job is not anticipating. Job is anticipating a transactional release of the suffering that he's going through by trying to vindicate himself before a holy God, and that's just not working out. In fact, the, the Bible says that God you know, speaks to Job not from blue skies, but from the same storm clouds, uh, from the same ominous presence of a, a big, you know, nasty storm uh, that would have taken the life of, of all of those he loves, Job loves, and all of his uh, estate. And uh, what you find is as Job kind of tangles verbally back and forth with God, God defers to Job in a moment and says, you know what, I'm God and I made all this. And, and he goes into intricate detail about his creation, animals and plant life and, and the world that we live on. And God basically says, but Job, if you want to try to be me, I will defer and let you give that a shot. Here, you go ahead and do that. And when Job is issued that challenge by God, he recoils from it. He sees the full breadth of what it is that he's trying to do in vindicating himself before God that created all things and is omnipotent and has all power and is sovereign. And Job recoils and basically here, a couple of chapters later, after that interchange, here is exactly how Job responds in Job 42, starting verse four. The Bible says, uh, Job says to God, you said, quote, Listen now and I will speak. I will question you and you shall answer me. Job goes on and says, my ears have heard of you, but now my eyes have seen you. Therefore I despise myself, Job says, and repent in dust and ashes. And of course the dust and ashes were a traditional cultural way that folks would repent and turn away from their sin and show God they were sorry for their sin uh, back in that culture. But the most important part in my humble opinion is at the end of verse five where Job says that his eyes have seen God. Now we know that God is invisible. You know, we can see Jesus, he's human and God, right? But God the Father and God the Holy Spirit are invisible, kind of like the wind is invisible. But how do we see the wind? Uh, we don't see the wind itself, we see the effects of wind. You know, wind blows stuff around and we, knows there, we know there is moving air we call wind. In a very similar fashion, we cannot see God the Father, but we see the effects of Him. We see creation. We see things change under His control. We see Him be God and act in the lives of His children, those who believe and follow and trust in Him. So Job's attitude about the storm has changed. You know, when he first looked at that storm, all he saw was destruction and loss. And now he sees the storm as something different. He sees the storm as you know, God's vehicle. And maybe that, yes, that brought great suffering into the life of Job, but Job chooses to see his suffering in a different way. In other words, he's no longer missing the forest for the trees. He's no longer focusing on just the effects of the losses in his life, which were devastating and horrible. You know, we have to admit that and say that, but we're also taking a look at what it is Job wants to, um, or, or God wants to give to Job. God wants to give more to Job uh, than simply uh, a transactional release of suffering. 
Paul put it this way in 2 Corinthians uh, chapter 1, starting in verse 3. Uh, the Apostle Paul says, Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. And he says, The Father of compassion and the God of all comfort. You know, Paul calls God the Father, the Father of compassion and the God of all comfort. You know, and that's striking because if you think about it, if he's the God of all comfort, then there is no comfort, there's no human comfort that exists on planet Earth that isn't inspired or empowered in some way by the Spirit of God. Now think about that for a second. God is the Father and the God of all comfort, the Father of compassion, the Bible says. That means that any human compassion, any human comfort that exists comes from God and that works in and through the lives of people who don't even believe in God. Now what are we saying here? We're saying that you know, we're not saying that all religions are the same. Don't hear that for me. Jesus says, I am the way and the truth and the life. And in the same way, the Holy Spirit through Paul is saying that God is the God of all comfort and the Father of compassion. So whenever you see the evidence of compassion and comfort in the world, what you're seeing is the touch of God, the inspiration of God, the work of God in humanity. And that's made possible, the Bible says, through Jesus. And in verse 4 in 2 Corinthians chapter 1, Paul goes on and says that comfort, that compassion that is born of God, um, it, it, God comforts us in all our troubles so that we can comfort those in any trouble with the comfort, comfort we receive, ourselves have received from God. So the comfort that we are called to share with people who are in trouble is the same mode, it's the same compassion, the same comfort that God gives us and, uh, and, and places in our laps the ability to pass that comfort on. Um, and he goes on and Paul goes on in 2 Corinthians chapter 1 verse 5 and says, for just as we share abundantly in the sufferings of Christ, which you know goes back to the purposes, the whys of suffering, so also the Bible says our comfort abounds through Christ. So we are here as agents of God's comfort, not only receiving it, but acknowledging it and turning around and offering it to others. You know, and Job even gets the opportunity to do this by keeping his friends around, even though uh, for, uh, for all purposes here, they have failed him. They tried to comfort him with a human comfort uh, that wasn't real. It was, it was surface level and was based on, you know, something false like human righteousness. And God, you know, allows that to fall apart right there in front of Job. And Job accepts his friends back and humbles himself before God. And as we know now through the power of the Messiah, uh, Job humbles himself before God, acknowledges that he is not God and acknowledges the great gift that he's received. He's not received the transactional release of suffering that he started looking for. They started out asking for. He is receiving God himself. Now, lest we're tempted to think of God as some sort of cosmic snuggie, some sort of you know, cosmic blanket that we just use to wrap around ourselves to make ourselves feel better. That's not what we're saying here. What we're saying is that God has given us himself and that his presence is in and of itself comfort. God, the Bible says, is love. God is also showing himself as the father, the originator, the inspirer, the creator of comfort. 
And so when we are in his presence and we receive him, not just simply the transactional release of suffering, but him in person, when we receive him, his presence is comforting to us. And you know, for, uh, for, for the sake of application, uh, we will find ourselves in the role of the one who is comforted by God. And sometimes God uses his word to do that or a song to do that or his word or a song through another person, a friend that we know. Sometimes God uses strangers and circumstances. But sometimes we find ourselves in the role of the one who is comforted. We also are called and equipped to find ourselves in the role of the comforter through the power of the Holy Spirit acting on uh, on God's behalf through the, in the name of Jesus and through his power, we will find ourselves in the role of comforter. And in those moments, we are called to remember that comfort comes from where? It comes from God. And that there is no comfort on planet earth that doesn't come from the creative, loving power of our God, who loves us so much that he gave us his son, Jesus. And you know, as we're um, celebrating, and, and I hate to even sometimes use the word celebrating in regards to Memorial Day, but as we're celebrating and recognizing Memorial Day weekend, um, it, it really is a great opportunity to step back and take a look at uh, the suffering that happens as a result of war, which is necessary in, in a lot of cases. Uh, the suffering that happens as a result of war is often simply the loss of life uh, of those that we love uh, leaving us um, missing and suffering and desperate uh, for those people that we've lost, probably like Job was when he was trying to justify himself before God. And as such, uh, we can take the opportunity to remember those whose lives are lost, yes. Um, but at the same time, we're also called to remember the lives of those who remained, those who've lost, those who've loved people and lost them, those who have uh, catastrophically had life ripped away from them, the life of someone they love. And when we encounter someone like that, or when we encounter someone with a similar devastating loss, God has equipped us and empowered us, especially in the church, to be agents of his comfort. And that's the best news of all, is through Jesus, we receive the full power, the access uh, that we need to God as um, as who he is, not a transactional God that tries to get us to, you know, pump good works or, or good attitudes or good thoughts, words, and deeds into a cosmic vending machine, but a God who gives us himself, empowers us with himself to be agents of comfort in the world. So what I'd ask you to do is bow your head and just pray with me uh, wherever you are, if it's safe for you to do that. If you're listening on the road, uh, definitely keep your eyes open and on the road, but remember and think of these things. Uh, God is the God of all comfort. Uh, he is the Father of compassion, and He calls us to be agents of Himself, uh, agents of comfort and compassion in this world through Jesus. Would you pray with me? Heavenly Father, there are times when I forget what my role as a follower of Jesus looks like, and I thank you so much that you're ready willing and able to remind me of that and to empower me again in my walk with the Lord. I know that there are times when I forsake the needs of others and perhaps even turn away from my own needs uh, to be comforted by you. 
uh, looking for some sort of external release. Maybe I turn to um, stimuli available in the world or opportunities in the world to look for, uh, for comfort in something other than you. Uh, God, I confess that to you now and I lay that before you. I ask that you remove it as far as the east is from the west in the name of Jesus. And I ask that you look upon me again through Jesus with fresh eyes and help me to understand that it is you that you ultimately are giving me of yourself. It is yourself through Jesus. So let me receive you with my whole heart and let me begin to assimilate in my whole heart what it means to receive God and to be a steward of the compassion and the comfort that comes to me because of Jesus. I ask this all in your name and I pray that you be worshiped and glorified through this word and all of the words that you speak in the scriptures. May you receive the glory and the power and may we grow to be like you. In your name we pray, together we say, Amen and amen.